Hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense, regardless of how it turns out. Vaclav Havel Six hundred thousand people go missing in the United States each year. Eighty-nine to ninety-two percent are recovered. In Colorado, there are currently two hundred and ninety-two active missing persons cases. That number can change daily, but many of these cases have been open for years. When a person goes missing, it could mean so many different things. A teen could have gotten into an argument with their parents, or a hiker who left on an adventure never returns. One thing we do know is that people do not just vanish. Someone, somewhere, knows something. We are trying to reach that someone. You may even know them. I'm your host, Jess, and this is Missing at 5280, a true crime podcast made by locals who just want answers. Some of the cases you will hear are well-known. Others have fallen through the cracks of typical media sources. And every once in a blue moon, we will all get together to discuss a solved case. Throughout these episodes, there may be speculation and opinions, but facts and respect for those involved will always be present. If you want to join us in our mission to bring these cases to light, please subscribe, leave a review, and share the podcast with your friends. Now let's dive in. As I'm scrolling social media today, all I see is parties and pictures of people's green beer. But did you know, three years ago today, a woman who was supposed to walk through a doorway for her sister's baby shower vanished? She has been missing ever since. She was a mom to three boys, a daughter, a sister, a niece, and an aunt. Her name is Rita Gutierrez Garcia. She was last seen on March 18, 2018, in the alley parking lot behind the Speakeasy and Three's Bar in Longmont, Colorado, around 2.30 a.m. She, like a lot of other Longmont residents, went out that evening for St. Patrick's Day. Come the next week, there were search efforts and news stories. They named a suspect who had been involved in an attempted murder case. It didn't seem like very long after that, this man was apprehended at the border of the United States and Mexico. And shortly after that, he was tried and put away for 93 years for the attempted murder along with assault. A year ago this week, I released the episode that featured Rita's story. This year, her mother and her sister took time out of their lives and were gracious enough to speak to me about Rita. I did have a couple questions about the night she went missing. 
But this conversation was really about Rita as a person. Who was she? What was she like? Sometimes when people go missing, we focus so much on the evidence and timelines that it blinds us to the fact that this is a person. She had a real life and a real family. She loved shoes and getting her nails done. She was months from walking across the stage to graduate college. She had dreams for a better future. Reality for Rita's family became a weird limbo between real life and the nightmare of Rita's disappearance. Days became a balancing act between searches and taking care of daily tasks, making sure Rita's boys had what they needed and were being taken care of, going to work and trying to survive. Parents who have lost children to death know it's like losing a limb. But when your child goes missing, you lose the same limb, and then you are stuck with a constant phantom pain. You are in a purgatory of sorts, waiting for an answer that seems like it will never come. Hope is a twisting knife in your sternum every time an unidentified body is found. This is the reality that family members of missing people face. To some that are listening to this, you see it as some form of entertainment. Maybe a way to pass the time as you complete some mundane task. But for a moment, I want you to listen to this mom, to this sister, speak about this nightmare that has become their reality. I just want you to listen. Listen to understand, not to react. How would you describe Rita? She was funny. She would laugh. I was just going to say, she loved to laugh. She loved music. She loved to cook. She was a great cook. She'd like to have a bottle of wine and just cook and eat. And she got all of us into, you know, enjoying a meal with her. What was her favorite thing to cook? Cook like uh, manicotti, um, you know, different kinds of pasta, spaghetti, stuffed shells. So what was her life like around the time she disappeared? What was she doing? She was going, actually, um, in June, she had already gotten her certificate. um, But in June, she was supposed to get her um, actual, like, you know, graduate. Um, because she was going to school to become a paralegal, and she was working. Uh, there was this, like, a restaurant in Longmont called Deliciosos. Of course, you know, she had her three boys. You know, Rita, she had friends. She had family. You know, they. she was young, you know, so, yeah, she did like to go out and have fun with her friends or family, whoever it was. You know, she had dreams to get through school and have a better life for her and her sons. She was divorced. So she had, like, dreams for her life, what it was going to be. Where was she living at that time? She was living here in Longmont. Um, She was living off of Mountain View and... Um, Tulip Street. And was she living, like, alone with her and just her and her boys? Her and her boys, yeah. Where are her boys now? They're with me. 
I can't imagine that's easy. Sometimes it's uh, a little, little difficult, you know, trying to be, uh, you know, being a grandma, but also trying to not be the mother, but be the, you know, the, I don't know how I want to word this. The um, figure? Yeah. You know, and um, I have a different way of raising my kids, you know, because I'm a mother of three daughters, and, you know, so I have a different way of raising, and I'm older, you know, and um, Rita was fun and loving, and she would see things differently as a parent than I would, you know, and she could relate to them differently where I'm like, you know, like I said, more, you know, I'm older, I'm old, old type parenting. And, um, it's, it's different, but her, her boys are doing good. They're, they're in school. The two younger ones are in school. Um, and they're doing good. That's good. They have, I'm sure they have their days, you know, they don't talk about a little lot, which I think is just because the fact that they are boys and they're that typical male, you know, I don't really talk about my problems and I don't really talk about what's going on, but I think I'm sure they have their days. I know in the beginning it was difficult for them. Um, I just spoke with them today about, you know, Thursday being 18th, and uh, we go and decorate that tree at the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about decorating the tree and and the bench, like a spring thing theme. Are there any um, search efforts scheduled for this summer? Right now we haven't. Her brother, Omar, is the one who does a lot of the searching, um, I don't know about how Nicole feels. I know Jessica has done some. I've done some. Nicole has. Um, I stopped because it was just, some days it was just really difficult to, it's a disappointment of not finding anything. It's just really difficult sometimes. And just like when you would hear that somebody was found, you know, there was a couple of times we heard that there was a few different bodies that were found. It was like difficult, you know, because sometimes it was just like, I hope it's her. And, you know, at least we'd have an answer or some type of answer. Um, I just stopped doing it because emotionally it was kind of hard. They are hard. <clears throat> it's. I wouldn't say it's so much a disappointment. It's just a lot. It's just a lot. Yeah, not such a disappointment, but yeah, mentally and emotionally difficult. There's a lot of things that you see. There's a, a lot of places you go you normally wouldn't go. Things you go into, things you go under. It's just, it's a lot. And, and there's coming home, like, that day, it's just, you're just, I don't know, like, you, your mindset is just that you're coming home empty-handed. 
and then like sometimes I would get to a certain point and we would say, okay, we're going to walk another mile or two. And then you get to that next two miles and you see like five, 10 other miles of like, okay, what's out there and where do you go and how do you deal with it? What are the locations um, that you're searching? Are, are these locations that you, that law enforcement have suggested? No, they're all pretty just random areas. It's just places I think we've all thought that, uh, like, when we should start or where we should look. I mean, we don't really have a direction of where to go, so it's just kind of us on our own putting things together, trying to figure out where to look. But... To backtrack a little bit, some of them have been like, you know, they suggested maybe the um, arsenal in in Aurora, and some people went there. Some people went, and I and didn't you go to to Rabbit Mountain? No, I didn't go. I just had. Um, So some of us went to some places that they suggested, um, and then. There was just other areas where we just thought we would go on our own. Do you know if, like, law enforcement has, like, looked into, like, his movements that evening? Like, with his phone records or anything? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm sure that they, that they know what they're doing, but I don't know. Is there any new information that you can share? No. At this moment, there isn't. What is life like now without her? It's like a nonstop nightmare. It's like three years has gone by, and sometimes it's like an eternity. Some days it's like an eternity, and some days it's like it was just yesterday because... I don't know, it's, it's, just, it's just hard to explain. I, I used to hear people say that, and I could never understand what they meant. And it's just, if people try and tell us to mourn, you know, people who have lost children, they say they know what we're going through, and eventually it will get easier. But other than when um, there's the, the day of, of missing people, you really don't meet people on a daily basis who have a child missing. You meet people who have lost a loved one, a child, loved one, but it's not the same because you can't mourn for somebody who you have no idea where they're at. Like, is we actually... She's presumed dead, but is she actually? And if she is actually dead, then where is she? Um, so it's just hard to... It's it's not the same. Life can't go forward. It's like in a... Like a... Like another dimension or something. It's hard. You... You try to go on and live your life, 
and then you're hit with the moment of how how can you live your life or try to live your life when we have no idea where Rita is and what happened to her. And some days you try and be happy, and then there's guilt that you're happy, that you're like living and you're doing everything, but at the same time you know you have to. Because if I would just to give up, then I would give up on her kids and I would give up on the dreams that Rita had for her kids. So, you know, you feel like giving up, you know, you can't because then you're giving up on her. We can't give up on that hope and that that belief and that faith. We just, you can't give up. Nicole, were you there the night she disappeared? No, um, I was... Eight, eight and a half months pregnant when Rita went missing. Um, so the day that she didn't show up to my baby shower was the day that, yeah, because she had a baby shower the next day and she didn't come and we were like, what's going on? Where is she? Why isn't she answering her phone? What did you guys start doing at that point? We started calling around. Rita had been dating somebody and we thought maybe they had broken up, and we thought maybe they like had a reconciliation. So we thought maybe she was with him, and we couldn't get a hold of either one of them. And then we just started calling around. Um, then Sunday, I started getting like more worried, more worried, but angry at the same time because I'm like Rita, where are you? Um, and then Monday, when she didn't show up, and the boys had to go to school, and people had to go to work and class, um, then it was just like, what the frick is going on? Where is she? So on that Monday, I called the police, and I said, okay, you know, yeah, I thought she was here. She's not, obviously. And then I had contacted her, um, the guy she was dating, and then it just started from there. You know, then the police started doing their um, investigation of everything. How did Juan fit into all of this? Um, of course, we weren't there that night. You know, uh, Nicole's sisters or myself weren't there. So he just fit it in by people who saw him and saw her. I don't know. I guess just the police investigation just led to everything. And, like, it's a small town, you guys had, like, you'd never, like, heard of him before or anything? Nobody saw her, like, go with him, though. Like, none of her friends? No, as far as, far as we know, know, nobody actually saw her go with him. We don't exactly know who was in that parking lot that night. We know that Rita was at easy we know she went to breakers she never went to threes um the, everyone it just keep the newspaper and everything says she was at threes parking lot because you know that's the only place that you can park if you want to go into speakeasy you have to park the parking lot the speakeasy of the Alps, yeah in the back both locations that she was at, he was there also. 
that was stated by other people that by witnesses that he was there and he was trying to talk to her he was talking to her whatever it was that he was doing and no one has ever found her cell phone either as far as we know no unless someone has it and just has it but as far as we know we don't know where it is do you know what her cell phone like looked like um yeah she had a pink rose gold iphone if you knew that someone had saw something what would you say to them i would say just do what's morally right and be be that kind and compassionate human being that should just speak up and not be afraid Dorita was a person she was a happy person she loved she loved to laugh she had kids she was somebody and that's what you should do you should speak up for someone who can't speak for themselves for whatever reason you know it's just part of being a human being you you speak up and you help someone so if you know something don't be afraid be compassionate and speak up And not to mention any everything that you say is um you know you don't have to identify who you are. All you have to do is say what you know. No one's gonna make you say who you are. And I just will still always you know reach out to hikers and you know hunters and farmers and ranchers and you know just anybody out there just remind them to just if something looks out of sort just to see what it could be and you know make that call you know before Rita ever went missing I have I also know that I found myself doing this that you you don't hear anything and it's kind of like you know, you forget and you don't remember that somebody is missing because you just assume that that person must have been found because you don't hear anything anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just want to remind people that there are a lot of, there are still a lot of people out there who are missing, you know, here in Colorado, nationwide, and it doesn't go away. That was all the questions I had. Is there anything you wanted to say, Nicole? Um, just, like I said, I'm thankful for everyone and what they do, all the people who have women searches. Um, you know, Rita has more sisters than just me and Jessica. 
it's been hard on them and they've done their part and her brothers and the family she has her friends there's a lot of people who you know those people they go through a lot just like we do when they're looking even people who don't know they're like you're taking a chance with possibly finding her or even like searching you know the people who were searching in the beginning law enforcement and volunteers and divers and there's so many people who have done a lot and it's not easy and we're definitely extremely appreciative of all those people we have our days where it's hard we still hear all the the negative that people say how could a mom go out and leave her kids or just all the negative things they have to say about her and that just makes it so much harder because how can you point the finger at someone you don't know well I've been to that bar and I'm a mom so and I left my kid at home so I know which is like so like isn't that calling the kettle black I mean how many people don't go out you know it's like and nobody asks to not come home like right you know she's a she's a person she's not like and quite honestly it doesn't matter she's a person Rita Gutierrez Garcia stood at 5'7". She weighed 140 to 150 pounds. She had brown hair, brown eyes. At the time of her disappearance, her hair was dyed blonde at the tips, and she wore long artificial eyelashes and long pointed army green acrylic fingernails. Her tongue is pierced twice, her ears are pierced one time in each, and she has a healed piercing in her navel. She has a chickenpox scar on the center of her forehead, a surgical scar on her left elbow, and possible scars on her fingers. One of her lower front teeth is broken, and she has a dimple or cleft in her chin. She has the following tattoos. A mud flap girl on the top of her right foot, a leopard pattern on the top of her left foot, a good angel in blue ink on one shoulder, a bad angel in red ink on the other shoulder, a puzzle on her back, a skull with a pink bow on her left wrist, large eye and swirls on her left forearm, two red roses with black netting between the leaves and stems on her right forearm, Marilyn Monroe on her upper arm, and a Roman removing a face mask on her left thigh. If you have any information please just reach out. You can remain anonymous. This family just wants their loved one home.